Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Zach. I, don't you love Zach and Rachel Silver? I just am so grateful for them and grateful for their hearts and their desire to serve. And, um, and they're just good people. They're good friends. And I'm so grateful for them and grateful to be with you today. Um, I just want to make sure you guys all see the most important person in my life today. Her name is Amy Parsley. She's right here. Come on, stand up. Stand up, say hi. Hi, hi. hi. Uh, there's, there's nobody who I would rather be in, involved in anything in life, partner in life with than her. And she is so powerful. She is so strong. She is, uh, has character like nobody else I know. And I'm so grateful for her and just want you to know that I, I love you. And you know, every once in a while when you're in front of people, you ought to say stuff like that about your spouse. And so, um, <laughs> so um, I'm so grateful to be uh, here at Lake Travis. We are to be with you. It's been a while since I've been here, so um, <clears throat> I'm trying to make sure that I'm here a little bit more often and just being with you and connecting together. Um, I'm so grateful for your faithfulness and your consistency and <clears throat> how you guys are doing ministry. You're loving one another. You're reaching into the community. And I just think it's so powerful when a church really gets that. And so uh, I, I love that. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, you know, we're in this 40 days, um, 40 days to Easter, <clears throat> and we're kind of lining up these 40 days to kind of, I mean, some of you might know, in, in years gone by, we have had a 21 days of prayer at the beginning of the year and 21 days of prayer maybe at the beginning of the school year, right? And this last year, I just, we, our team, we talked together and it's just like this sense of, man, every time we enter into that 21 days of prayer in January. It just feels like everybody is sprinting, sprinting to the finish line. Everybody's trying to get themselves together after the holidays. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to live in a way that is rushed or hurried or pressured. And I think we're all trying to figure out how to get out of that in, from our culture, because our culture, it just puts it on us. And we're trying to figure out how to do a couple of things this year. And, and you may have heard it from Pastor Zach, but slow down. And what's the second thing? And look up. Slow down and look up. Slow down and be aware of what God is doing. And so we just decided to slow down. And that's the, the other thing we said was, find your people and pray together. And that's what we're doing this year. And so 40 days to Easter is about prayer and consecration. And what it is for me, and I just, I want to encourage you to continue to get involved and join us for our 6.30 a.m. prayer meetings if you, if you can. Um, we, we just think there's something important about fasting and consecrating ourselves and humbling ourselves. And then we want you to prayer walk your neighborhoods and get out into the community and pray and ask God to speak to you about the community community and how we can reach people. And, and we just want to do this for 40 days. And that's the cool thing. We've already been doing it for like maybe two and a half weeks now, I think is about what it is. And there's still like four weeks left. <laughs> so you, you, so, so it could, it's not a sprint. It's like a, it's like a slow walk and you can get involved and you can engage. And what, what it is for me is humbling myself and asking God 
to open up what is next for our church. What does he want to do with us? How can we be more effective? What is God trying to do in our city, in our region? What is he saying to us? And I, I, that's part of what this 40 days of prayer and consecration is. So I just wanted to, to give a, another pitch and say, come on, lean in and let's pray together and let's seek God together and let's see God do something really awesome in our time. I'm reminded of Jeremiah 6.16, which says, um, um, uh, Lord, um, now I'm confusing it with Habakkuk. Hang on a second. Jeremiah 6.16 says, <laughs> says, show us the ancient paths. Reveal to us the ancient paths. Like, like we're not doing anything new. Did you know this? Like, we're seeking God 40 days to Easter. That is not a new concept. It's been happening for centuries. And so uh, Habakkuk says, repeat in our time what you have done in the past. And so I just think we're, we are primed for God to move among us and in our region. And so I want us to pray together and keep praying in that direction. Are you, are you with me? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how powerful it is. And we thank you, Lord, that today you're going to speak to us. That your word, as we open it, as we share it, it will become life and light to every heart in this room. We thank you for this. And we give you your rightful place. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So as part of this 40 days to to Easter and prayer and consecration, we've been talking about prayer. And I really believe that prayer is one of those things that's so important to us. It is uh, one of the most significant things we can engage in. It essentially is oxygen to our spiritual lives. And so we're, we, last week we talked about uh, praying the scriptures. This week we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about praying in the name of Jesus. Because I don't know if you know this, but it's not just a nice ending to a prayer. It's not just when you get run out of things to pray, then you finally say, in Jesus' name, amen. No, it's something much greater than that, such, much more powerful than that. And uh, so I was thinking about this, and sometimes in my family, you know, we have five kids, and so Amy and I are almost done. Our, our youngest is 16, so we have a few more years. Um, our experience is, I don't know how many years that is, because as we send them away, they come back. So it's, it may... It may take a little longer. But one of the things that happened in our family was they would, um, they would ask one parent if they could do something. They'd have a talk with that parent, and then they'd go tell the other parent, hey, mom said, or no, dad said. And, and sometimes we play into it like, well, what did your mom say, right? <laughs> and, and this whole thing, and I, I, there, there's this, you know, sometimes it was just a conversation and mom didn't actually say what they actually said that she said. If you're a parent, do you understand what I'm talking about? Right? It's like, it's like they know how to manipulate you just right so that they can get you to say what they want you to say. And, and, um, 
And so we, you know, we got wise to that over the years. And it's like, no, I, okay, no, I'm not going to believe that what you said, mom said, I have to, we have to consult together. So we're going to meet together and then we'll let you know after our meeting, what we think about what you just said. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a thing. It's just the thing with parents. I find that it happens with my staff too. Like, this thing will start going around the church like, well, no, Pastor Ross said. A few years ago, I had to make a rule. No more Pastor Ross said. You can't use my name as a bludgeoning instrument to get your way in your team (laughs) or or what you're trying to accomplish, you know? It's like, well, we just had a conversation. I didn't say you had to do it, right? Like, Like, there's so much about this that's so interesting. But, but it's interesting how people will use other people's name as the thing to get permission to do what they want to do. The cool thing about Jesus is he actually gives your, you his name to do things you could never do on your own. He gives you authority. I want to talk about that. Uh, Because it's not a manipulative thing that we're using to try to get God to do things. I think sometimes people hesitate. They don't walk in the authority that Jesus has given them because they're hesitant about the kind of dynamic I just described in our family. But there's something more to this than just manipulating or trying to get something or trying to get your way. It's not a gimmick. and, and, And it's not just a nice ending to a prayer. But instead, Jesus has invited us into a collaborative relationship to change the world around us. And I I want to talk about that a a little bit. John 14, if you want to follow in the message notes, um, I think there's a, on your your actual bulletin, there's a little QR code and you you can get that on there and you can follow along in the message notes. And um, John 14, verse 12 through 14 is where we're going to start. And it says, very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I read this verse, I'm like, I don't think I get this. (laughs) I don't think, I'm not sure I really live this out the way Jesus intended it. Jesus is saying some wild things about his name. We'll do greater things than Jesus? What? I don't know. We we can ask anything in his name and he will do it? I don't know if we really believe that. I don't know if we operate that way. I'm not sure I do. What I know is that Jesus is trying to lead us into a richer and fuller expression of our union with him and our collaboration with him. He's describing here to his disciples what it's like to live, to think, to walk, to love, and to pray in the authority of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Not power based solely on his goodness, which he wants to give you and me, but power based on a relational depth of love, a relational depth of obedience and devotion and surrender to him. That's what he's inviting us into. 
And sometimes we get into the manipulative thing. We get into the, the kind of get, trying to get what we want instead of being consumed with what Jesus wants. And then we don't understand what praying his name is really about. Praying in his name is really uh, going to do for us. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, that there am I with them. We can gather in Jesus' Jesus' name. We can gather in the authority of Jesus. We can, did you know that the Bible also says, Jesus said, you can give someone a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. You can serve them in Jesus' name. We can welcome little children in Jesus' name. Probably the most well-known authority scripture that Jesus shares with us is, of course, from the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18. Many of you might know it. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What's the next word? Therefore. My dad used to say this corny little thing. He said, when you see the word therefore, you have to look and see what it's there for. What Jesus is saying is, I've been given all authority, so now I'm going to give you my authority, and I'm going to send you in my authority. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey. Everybody say obey. Obey. Say it again. Obey. Obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. You might be sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, wow, man, I don't know if Jesus is talking about me here. I'm not sure if I can do it. I don't know if I have the courage and conviction for disciple making. You know, I can barely get my own life together. (laughs) I I don't know if I really can do what Jesus is asking me to do. Listen, you have the authority that Jesus has. The same authority he has, he's giving it to you. Well, I got to get my life all together. No, that's not true. He gives it to you freely. He invites you into a relationship that is so powerful, so authoritative. It's not your authority that you use when you pray. It's the authority of Jesus' name, which is why we need to change our prayers. Last week in Austin, I I talked about the vocabulary of prayer and how limited our vocabulary is. And sometimes when we're praying, we don't know what to pray. We pray the same phrases over and over again, or, we, or we, we, we have such a limited vocabulary, which is why we need to pray the scriptures more often, because the scriptures increase our vocabulary and our agreement with what God has already said, right? And so if you don't have a good vocabulary in prayer, you're just always kind of begging God to do stuff. Can I just encourage you that he's already willing? You don't have to beg. He's already willing to do all kinds of great things. He's willing. He has great things in mind for you and for this region, for people to come to know him. He has amazing plans and purposes. And it's important for you to realize that because he wants you to enter into this process with his authority. Understand that when Jesus gives you his name, he actually does give you this name because you belong to his family. You belong to his family. And you can use his name for any need. 
You have his name to rely on, to call on, to operate in. And you can look to God for the authority that you need to defeat the enemy, to overcome your own flesh, and, and to, to do what God has sent you to do. And I'm, I want to I wanna leap to something that the Apostle Paul shows us in Ephesians. So if you turn to the book of Ephesians, I, wanna, I want to kind of follow a little train of thought that the Apostle Paul has about this idea of Jesus' authority, about his name and how we, we've been given it. And so let's start in Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 5. And so we're going to read a, a, quite a bit of Ephesians here in just a moment, um, a couple other scriptures as well. But it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Could you read those three words with me? Every spiritual blessing. You have it. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You see, he's not just giving you his name. He's, he's uniting himself with you. You are uniting yourself with him. I, we talk about being a Jesus follower a lot, but I think a more accurate illustration of what happens is what the Apostle Paul says, which is we are uniting ourselves with him. We're taking on his nature, his character, his insight, his outlook. And, he, and he, what he does, he, he, he does something really powerful. He gives us his spirit to operate in. And we're, he gives us his word that has been written by the Holy Spirit through these writers. We're united with Christ. Verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Some of you understand the miracle of adoption. Some of you might not. Wesley and Stephanie Lunsford understand the miracle of adoption. And there's a thing here that happens that is so supernatural. It is hard. It is difficult. It is challenging. It has a lot of uh, dynamics to it. But I think God chose you, and he chose me, and he adopted us. We didn't belong to him at first. But he chose us before the world began. And he adopted us into his family. And he made us part of his family. And it gave him, this scripture says, it gave him great pleasure to do that. You guys, you will never enjoy prayer unless you believe that he chose you and that he loves you. And that he's a loving heavenly father that wants to give you everything that you need. If you never get that revelation, prayer just becomes a duty. It becomes an obligation. It's a hard thing to, to, to maintain. But this revelation that God chose you is huge. He loves you, adopts you, and he's made you his own. He had you in mind, and you bring him pleasure. <laughs> Pastor Ross, you don't know me. 
I'm not bringing God very much pleasure right now. Listen, I understand. There's no one who's perfect. No, no, there was one who was perfect, and they killed him. You are made righteous by Jesus himself. You can try to obey everything you want to, but if you don't submit your heart and your life to Jesus, you're just operating in your own willpower and your own trying to establish your own righteousness. You are not righteous because of what you can do. You are righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross, being raised from the dead, exclaiming and proclaiming to the world that he is the Savior. He's your Savior, and he chose you. Once you get that revelation, he's, he, notice this. God loves us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You are without fault in the eyes of Jesus when you surrender your life to him. Well, you don't know what I did this week. Oh, you know what? There's this little thing. It's called repentance. It's amazing. You, 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 you end up being stupid. You realize how stupid you are. Suddenly you repent, and you're back to bringing pleasure to Jesus in his eyes. God gave you that gift. The apostle Paul said it this way, to the fledgling group of believers, Jews and Gentiles in Rome, in Romans 8, verse 14 and 7, through 17, he says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba. We call him the father, Papa. It's a, a term of endearment. It's a, a term of closeness and intimacy. Verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. This NIV uses the, in the NIV translation, he uses this term adoption to sonship, but it's a, it's a Greek word. And that is this term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir. Of course, women, they were not treated well in those days. But a male heir had this power, this legal standing, male heir in Roman culture. Think about that. You have what Paul is saying, you have the same full legal standing before God has in, in Jesus right? Before, uh, sorry, before God as Jesus has. That's what I wanted to say. And women, you have it too, <laughs> okay? It's, it, it, you are an heir. You are a co-heir with Jesus. You guys, that blows my mind. Wait, I have Jesus. I have everything Jesus has? Man, I don't live that way enough. I don't know about you, but that's a revelation that keeps, needs to keep happening over and over and over and over again in your life. You are a co-heir with Christ. The Father sees you as he sees Jesus. Jesus has shared everything, everything Jesus has, you have. Everything Jesus can do, you can do. And, he, and what Jesus said is you'll do better things, greater things. Oh. Jesus, help us to believe this. Help us to believe this. Did you know that in the United States, by law, when a child's adoption becomes legal, their original birth certificate becomes null and void. The birth certificate becomes mostly commemorative, right? It has no legal power anymore. 
A certificate of adoption replaces a birth certificate and officially erases the past and resets the lineage. That's pretty awesome. So we all need to really understand this concept of God loving us as, as a father and embracing us. And we have a brother. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God, and he invites all sons and daughters into what he has received. It's amazing. So the Apostle Paul begins to talk about that through the book of, the, of Ephesians. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. All right, I got I to speed up here. Ephesians 1, 17 through 22 says, I pray for you constantly, Paul says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. And I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are rich and, and glorious inheritance his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Here's what I want you to get about prayer. Just three short things. Number one, prayer takes us out of the realm of what we can do and into the realm of what God can do. That's what this verse means. Jesus is over all. And he fills everything with himself. Jesus is speaking into our culture. He's doing it by the voice of the Holy Spirit, who is assigned to convict people of their sins and draw them to himself. And it's happening. But people choose not to listen. They close their ears. They get too distracted. They, 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 they're trying to do their thing. But make no mistake, God is calling the Holy Spirit is lurking. I love that idea. The Holy Spirit is lurking, waiting, trying to get attention. Like, hey, hey, I'm here. And yet people are so distracted. They're so consumed with themselves. They're so consumed with what they are trying to accomplish or what they're trying to get. But listen, take, make no mistake, prayer takes you out of the realm of what you can accomplish and into the realm of what God can do. You can start to collaborate with him, with his voice, with what he's trying to say, what he's trying to accomplish here in our region. Prayer transports me out of the realm of my power and into the realm of God's power. Beam me up, Scotty. So all of you under 30, that's a Star Trek reference. Prayer's not a lifeline thrown out from God to you. It's an invitation to spend time on his yacht. <laughs> Prayer isn't a last resort. It's an all-inclusive five-star resort with a fabulous beach view. Do you see what I'm saying? God is inviting us into the realm of his power and his authority. It doesn't come from us. And he welcomes us to enter into it and to use it. 
Here's how what the apostle the apostles prayed in Acts 4:23. They said they were all together and they'd been being persecuted and they were suffering and there was all this stuff that was going on. And, and in Acts 4, they, they prayed this prayer together. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they prayed, and the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You guys... We have the name of Jesus to speak boldly. We need to be filled with the Spirit so we can speak boldly. That's what it's going to take. That's where we are. That's the culture we live in. We have to have this. We cannot operate in our own innovation and ingenuity, our own mindset. We have to have heaven's wisdom. And that comes through the authority of the name of Jesus. Prayer stimulates Holy Spirit activity and authority. I want you to say that with me. Prayer stimulates Holy Spirit activity and authority. I want you to say it one more time so you'll remember it. Prayer stimulates Holy Spirit You will talk about it at lunch. When we pray, we encourage Holy Spirit influence. When we pray, we change our atmosphere. We change the atmosphere around us and our attitudes and the atti even the attitudes of the people around us. When we pray, we welcome the Holy Spirit's authority and power. When we stand up against temptation and discouragement or persecution, when we enter into prayer, it changes what's going on inside and what's going on around us. Number two. Number two. What's the first one? Prayers. Prayer actually takes you out of the realm of what you can do and into the realm of what God can do. Number two, pray from heaven and not from earth. Pray from heaven and not from earth. What do you mean, Pastor Ross? Well, let me show you. Ephesians 2, verse 6. The next chapter. So, so, so Paul has just described how Jesus is sitting in the heavenly realms. And he says here in verse 6, for he raises from the dead, along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. I love this phrase because it's, he's saying, I, God is trying to show how kind he is because you're so stupid and we're so dumb and I'm so off track that God's grace is the thing that has met us where we, where we have failed. And he's brought us in, and this is designed to show his grace and kindness towards us as shown in, in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So awesome. One of the best passages in all of the scripture, and it's so amazing, but I want you to notice that he's placed us in Christ. And where is Christ? Seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. He's seated. He's praying for you and me. That's what the scripture actually says. Jesus is the intercessor for us. And we're seated in Christ, 
in the heavenly realms. That means we pray from heaven and not from earth. So much prayer happens from earth trying to get God to do stuff from heaven. It's like, oh, God, you see this uh, so hard. This is, this, things are so bad and people are so foolish and it's so terrible. And can you believe the politics? And can you believe blah, blah, blah? And you're just like, we're like talking about the wrong thing. We pray from our perspective instead of from God's perspective. We speak the things that are so wrong instead of God's will that is so right. See, when you pray from heaven, you pray from a different perspective. One time I sang, I got to sing the national anthem at a Denver Broncos home game. Yeah, it was so cool. And my, my, my two brothers, we sang a little trio and we sang the national anthem. It was really fun. And we're out, we went out there and we're out on the sidelines, you know, and the team comes out. And the, so the team comes out first and then we were going to sing the national anthem. You go to the middle of the field, you put the mic there, you sing it, you know, it's like just, I don't I forget, 70,000 people or whatever. And so, and so you're, the team comes out and they run out onto the field and, and, then, and then they come out and everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And then they, the team starts running to the sideline and I'm supposed to go, we're supposed to go to the middle of the field. So they're running off and I'm running on. And it was like ginormous oak trees <laughs> running towards me. I mean, it was like so big. They're, they're like, their, their arms are like as big as my waist. It's like weird. They're so huge. You just don't realize how huge. So I'm running, we're running on the thing. I've got the mic in my hand. I hold my hand up for one of the guys to high five me on my way out. He totally just ignores me. Like in front of 70,000 people, I was just like left hanging. It was so embarrassing. We got out there, we sing. We, it's great. It's awesome. And then we got to go to someplace called the Champions Club. Oh yeah. There's all kinds of great food there. And we could eat as much as we wanted. And it was primo seats, about halfway up, you could see the whole field from, from the, the Denver end zone, end zone. It was awesome. But here's what I noticed. I noticed when I got to the Champions Club, it looked totally different than it looked down on the field. And I was like, I could see plays developing and I could see what was happening and I could see what was going to happen because I was in a different perspective. Whereas on the field, it was just a bunch of guys running around wanting to destroy me. But, it was, but, 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 but when I got up, it, I could see... I could see how it was developing. God wants you to, sh to show you how everything's developing. He wants to show you his perspective of what's happening. He wants to speak it to you. He wants to share it with you. And he's invited you into his authority and into praying. God wants you to pray from, not from your perspective, but from his perspective. And, and that's why he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. And, and I think it's significant that Jesus is sitting down. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. He ain't running around worried. He's not, he's not stressed. He's seated. You and I run around, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Jesus, please help us. Yes, I know it feels that way sometimes. That's an honest prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But what you have to get to in prayer is an authority where you know deep in your soul that God is in charge and he will never not be in charge regardless of what's happening around you and that he has all eternity mapped out. He has his purpose. His purpose is being accomplished 
And even though it doesn't look like it sometimes, you can trust him and in prayer and in intimacy with him in the disappointment of our lives. The dis- the, and there, sometimes there are great disappointments, great sadness, great sorrow that happens to us. And that, that is part of life. That's part of the brokenness of our world that we live in. But I promise you, Jesus is not knocked off his throne. He is still on his throne. He's seated and you can sit with him. And sometimes that's the best place to be is seated right in his lap during those very difficult times. Number three, and then I'll finish. Prayer is uniting with Christ and his authority. We've kind of already talked about it, but I'll just say that I'll just read this passage and then we'll pray. And if you, Ben, if you want to come up and we'll, we'll worship together. He said, verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything. Ephesians 3.14, he says, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Listen, the love of God is what invites you into his united, being united with Christ and it's what invites you into his authority. And I want us to spend some time worshiping here and really allowing God to speak to us individually about where we are. And maybe you've just been operating out of your own strength and you realize today, oh, I need to operate out of God's strength and God's authority. I've been trying to get things done on my own without God. I want to say this to you. Prayer is much more about oneness with God than it is about business with God. He knows what's going on. <laughs> He's not lacking information. <laughs> so you don't need to waste a lot of time trying to convince him to do something about a certain situation. He knows. What we, we got to do is become one with him. Let him enter us in a way that is powerful, completely transforms the way we see things changes us, transforms us. We become united with him in a way that is so close and intimate. And so I just want you to stand up for a moment and we're going we're gonna to come to the Lord's table first. And it's appropriate that we would come to the Lord's table. And the communion elements are up here, one on this side and one on this side. And we're just going to begin to worship. And as you're ready, as you're ready, I want you to come up and get one of the elements. You can take it back to your seat and you can receive it. <clears throat> but the thing that's so 
awesome about the Lord's table is it reminds us of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It is the center of everything that we do to worship God. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me so that our sins would be washed away. The body of Christ was mangled and brutally beaten so that you could be whole. His blood was spilled so that you could be forgiven. Everything we have comes from him. So start there today. Let's start at the, start at the beginning. Start at what Jesus did for you. So Father, we just repent now of living life on our own, by ourselves. We repent of not being prayerful. We repent even of our prayers being too, too simple and too weak. We repent, Lord, of forgetting what we have. And we ask you, Lord, to help us, remind us today, change us today. We wanna enter into what you've offered, how powerful it is, how wonderful it is, how beautiful it is. And we are deeply and genuinely loved by our Father. And I pray that you'd forgive every person, you'd heal every person today, and that you would, you would help us to enter in as a church to your authority and to walk in it with power. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's worship for a few moments, and when you're ready, when you feel personally ready, you come down and get your elements.